kind of cat do you have? Uh, he's a ginger tabby. Um, he's about four years old, Harry Cat. So yeah, he's uh, he thinks he's friendlier than he is. I think. <laughs> um, so he gets a bit startled mid pat, and then realizes that he doesn't want to be pat patted, and then sort of either attacks or runs away. So um, yeah, but no, he's good company. He's a good writer's cat. Uh, keeps me company during the day, which is nice. Yeah, I my cat is a she's well she's a mutt. You know, we it's a foundling. We got her at the shelter. Um, yeah. But she's half Egyptian short hair and half oh, wow. Turkish short hair. I mean, she's really fluffy because short hair is a misnomer. I mean, really, because he's got a lot of fur. Uh, I was thinking of that as that, you know, the bald cat, the Egyptian, that bald cat. Yeah, that's uh, what everybody thinks when they hear Egyptian. And, yeah, that's yeah, the one yeah. that everybody... No. But this is... A, she's... I mean, you look at her markings, at, um, my cat Pie's markings, and you can tell, you can see the Egyptian in her. Um, yeah, right. She's got the Egyptian eyes, and she's got a Turkish mouth. That's what it, we both looked it up once we, because they give oh, you a, wow. we got, we, um, my brother and I live together, and yeah. he, um, he looked it up, and they give, because in the, when you get a cat or a dog, or anything from the shelter, uh, they give you not just a medical background, they give you a genetic background, so you know right. what your animal is. Um, and um, so we're like, I wonder what an Egyptian, uh, <laughs> we're like, wonder what, what the thing, what, what, how is an Egyptian short hair act, yes. as opposed to how a Turkish short hair acts, uh, wow. And she is a combination. I mean, you can actually see the difference. Like she can't walk. Uh, if she's she she's um, a pie, she walks really gingerly. Right. But she likes to be a pie. She can't. And so with the height thing, where which side is that? Is that the Turkish or Egyptian side? That's the Turkish. Ah. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm gonna to have to look these um, these cats up. Yeah, Egyptian uh, side is. Don't hate me because I'm beautiful. <laughs> is that where the, the the fluffiness comes from? Mm-hmm. Uh, she's very very. Is that the? She's really really fluffy, and that comes from the Egyptian. Because the if you have a Turkish short hair cat, it's it it's. Beautiful, but it doesn't have the fluffy, the fluffy, right. and the markings on her face, her ears, her body is all Egyptian. Oh wow! I uh, yeah, look these cats up um, after this call. Yeah, it's so interesting, and yeah. she's um, the thing is, is that I remember when I got her as a kitten, and I and you know I'm obsessed with taking pictures of my cat. Um, yeah. I I always have been. I mean, all my animals. I have zillions of pictures of every animal I've ever had, even as a little girl. Yeah, wow. But um, but the first picture I took of her when we got her from the shelter 
one of my friends said, did you put mascara on her eyes and eyeliner? <laughs> <laughs> Why would I do that to a cat? Yeah, yeah that's the first, first response, I think, would be, why would you think I did that? Yeah. yeah. I said, no, I didn't do anything to her. That's her markings. Yeah. It's like eyeliner. Oh, wow. And she has really, really cool. beautiful eyes, you know. And yeah. It looks like she has makeup on. Amazing. And so do you have to do, like, do you have to brush her every day and things like that? No, she's self-maintaining. Oh, that's good. Oh, I mean right down to her nails. I mean, the girl knows how to work her nails. Yeah, right. She spends hours on her nails. <laughs> well, on the furniture or is she... No, no. I mean, she's biting them and pulling them. Uh, I guess she's getting them sharp. I don't know what it is, but... Yeah, so she's not shredding the, the shredding you. No, we have a lot of things for her to play with. Yeah. We have scratch posts. We have, um, they call them a condo, but it's really tall scratch posts that have, like, little rooms in them. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she has a lot of plays, and I think she has, now she has two scratch posts because the old scratch post is getting really worn out. So we got her a second, right. but she loves the balls on the first one, so we couldn't, we didn't have the heart to take it away. <laughs> the first she one has, the... has like little balls, and she loved to go chasing the ball. <laughs> oh. oh, that's very cute. Yeah. I mean, uh, but she also likes boxes. Yes, yeah, Harry loves boxes. And he likes... Um, any sort of paper work that's on the desk? Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, I write a lot longhand. I have to make sure I keep it away from her because she'll start chewing on the side. I can't tell you how many notepads. Yeah, wow. Uh, no, my toy. <laughs> <laughs> well, when Harry was little, he chewed through my work laptop. Um, power cord. It wasn't plugged in, but that was pretty embarrassing going to work and saying my cat <laughs> uh, destroyed the ad uh, power adapter. So, Can uh, I have a new one? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm I really conscious of keeping it away, particularly at night, just in case Harry goes for a trip down memory lane and decides to sabotage the computer again. Yeah, cats are funny. Yeah. She she go after anything. Yeah, yeah. So have you always written longhand? Uh -huh. Is that your sort of first draft or? My first draft's always longhand. Right. Um, wow. I I I do write radio plays directly into the computer, but right. I for some reason when I'm writing a story. I've tried to do it directly in the computer several times, but yeah. I just don't feel connected to it when it's 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 too cold. When I write right. when when I write it longhand, it's and it's good because I need a lot of editing, so that's fine. Um, the first is the um, paper, then I.
put in the computer first edit, then I do a second right. edit. <laughs> yeah. So with the radio plays, is that because the formatting's already set up on the computer, so it's easier to write that way, or? No, it's because I read them out loud as I'm writing them. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. I act all the parts. Yeah, yeah. Even the, I had one that I wrote, um, the guy, one of the characters was a lunatic. I even did him. Yeah, right. That because was, that's a good way of doing it, because you're listening, right? Yeah, because you to listen the to the rhythm. Passion. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the rhythm, absolutely. Yeah, oh. but it is fun. Um, I, 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 that's my... <clears throat> keeping my hand into uh, my acting roots. Right. Yep. Do you ever do the radio plays yourself? Yeah, I'm in. I mean, I'm in yeah, some yeah, of them. Yeah. yeah. I um when I first started doing the radio plays, I would direct and act, but it just took too much out of me. Um, yeah. I I I have the later reluctantly. <clears throat> but I ra if I'm going to direct, I don't want to act. I it's just they don't go with because I'm I'm already producing, and you know I don't. It's they're not all my plays. I mean I I I I usually contribute two plays a season, and the rest of the right. plays are other people's. Okay, yeah, good. And is it easier to direct someone else's or your own? It's the same. Yeah. Because. <clears throat> you gotta remember, you're not when you're when you're directing. Directing isn't the script is the Bible. That's what you go by. But directing is you're directing actors. It's not yeah. the words. It's the actors and their emotion and how they're feeling yeah. and and how well not how they're feeling but how the character is feeling at that moment. That's what you're doing, especially when it's right. all voice. You know, yes. you, you, it's, it's the yeah, public's imagination. Yeah. It's not, there, there's no visual guide. Yeah. So, it's not easy. Um, it's no, not easy I'm for the actors. It's really not. It's a whole different muscle. Yeah. Because yeah. they all have theater backgrounds, the actors I work with. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a, a couple of author friends who have narrated their own novels, but that's audio books, not radio plays. But um, yeah, that sounds like quite intense. You know, number of days in a recording studio, and that's even when it's your own work. So well, I, uh, I imagine acting would be even harder. I I see the character parts. And yeah. that's complicated enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. If I was doing just like an ingenue, which I've played all my life, I could do that in my sleep. Yeah. So, <clears throat> that's the difference. Um, but yeah, it's fun. Um, yeah, it's uh, my show's called Sherry's Playhouse, and we have, we have, um, professional writers, some of them are novelists, that uh, write the radio plays. Yeah. And, um, yeah, one of the ones 
I did was for um, really talented novelists, and the one of the lead characters was a woman in her 80s, and she said, Sherry, I want you to play this character. I go, wow. that's my mom's age. You want me to play my mother? <laughs> yeah, and that'd be quite hard to play, wouldn't it? Somewhere. Yeah, it was really hard, and direct it. I mean, not just because when you're doing that, you're not just listening to yourself. You're also that's the thing when you're directing. You have to hear the big picture. You can't just be when you're acting. You're just acting. You're working on your character. You're trying to get the character right. You're working on how the character's life is going and where in its life you're working on that scene and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. But when you're directing, you're directing everything. Everybody, you're you're doing the whole show. It's like it's yes. it's completely opposite. That's why it's hard. Yeah, yeah, of course. That makes a lot of sense. So how 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 do you think people get on who do direct themselves? Do I mean, you think they miss out on everyone else? Or? No, I mean, I mean some. Like, um, this is a movie star, but Jerry Lewis used to, he actually came up with a way to get the video feedback before it was built into the camera. He actually oh. worked with some technical people, I can't famous technical people, to yeah. give himself a, a small television and a video camera right next to the big camera, and... So he could watch his performance and see if it's okay, and because he was when he was directing, he was looking at everybody else's performance, which is what you're supposed yeah, to do. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. that's what he did. I mean, and now because yeah. they have video feedback, they can do that much easier. I mean, he, they yeah. don't have to invent it. Jerry did it first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was clever, though, wasn't it? Yeah. It's actually, uh, people don't give him credit for that. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like Desi Arnaz and the rerun. Or the three camera oh. system. Those were, even though other technical people came up with some of, most, they did the technical stuff, those concepts were yeah. Desi Arnaz's for I Love Lucy. Really? Yeah. Wow. We never would have had... Let me put it this way. We never would have had a rerun if Lucy didn't get pregnant yeah. in real life. That's amazing. Because she took, I think she took three or four months off during the season, and seasons then were 22 episodes? Or yeah, right. I think, if I remember right. Yeah. So he would have, like, they they did a bunch of stock uh, of shows while she was in the early time of her pregnancy, and then they would after she was after she had Desi and she was home with him. Uh, Desi Senior would be working with the writers to have a beginning and an end that was sort of new and live, and then. Yeah. Put the rerun in between, so 
So it was like huh. a um, it was a rerun, but you didn't know it was a rerun right away. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, very clever. I found that out because of it. I I loved. I always loved both Lucy and Desi, and I read uh, De, uh, Lucy's uh, biography by I think it's her cousin Cleo. I think that's who wrote it. It was some. It was an authorized yeah. biography. And I read uh, Desi's biography, autobiography, by him. Um, yeah. And, of course, he gave all credit to Lucy. Yeah, right. And he was in love, thought, even though they divorced, he loved her all his life. Yeah, I saw the, um, uh, the TV series, uh, which had Nicole Kidman in it, playing Lucy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw that. I I actually, I mean, it was okay. It was a really interesting drama, but I don't really think it was them. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you since you've read the books, because um, it was was it, it was based on one week, right? Right, in and life. it was one week in their life, but what it really was was three different weeks that they smushed together as one week. Ah, okay. um, and she was pregnant when she was accused of being a communist. It was it was months right. apart. Right. Wow. Uh, it it was. I think they were all within the same year, but it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't the same week. I mean, she was yeah. pregnant. She would have had a miscarriage. There would have been no Desi. Yeah, yeah. With that kind of pressure. But it's just amazing. Uh, I mean, the thing I thought was good about it was just bringing it back for this new generation and just, you know, the how incredible they were with that show. Creating, you know, getting it greenlit and then creating it. Um, amazing. Just amazing talent. It is. And if you think about it, I don't know if there's ever been a generation that didn't Love, I Love Lucy. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. Oh, the comedic timing is absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And it's still, and it's not dated. No. Really? I mean, other than, I mean, yeah, the clothes are dated. And the technology's yeah. dated. But the actual yeah. situations, they're not dated. Yeah. They're live. No, the physical humor, definitely. is not dated. Yeah, that's what, um... She loved John Ritter because he was as he did the same physical humor that she did in I Love Lucy and worked as hard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. She actually, when um, Three's Company had their anniversary, she actually asked to host it. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I did not know that. That's amazing. Because she loved it, it was one of the. She goes, it's one of the few TV shows I watched. She didn't watch '70s sitcoms. She didn't right. like them. She there was too yeah. much sex and stuff. Um, yeah. Just, I mean, gotta think. I, if I remember right, she was toward the end of the Victorian era. You know, she she yeah. was. Um, no, she, she was. No, I'm sorry. She, yeah, she was born during the Victorian era because she was a teenager in the 20s. Yeah, right. I mean, 
you got to remember her sensibility and Desi's sensibilities. They're both Victorians. That's amazing. So what they created in the 50s is that it's lightning in the bottle. Yeah. It'll never yeah. come again, something like that. Absolutely. But, I mean, we are the benefactors of all of that because, I mean, I mean, sometimes the rerun is uh, overdone. But to yeah. think, um, you know, there would be no, uh, um, what do they call it, streaming. Yes. If there wasn't for I Love Lucy. Just think about that. Yeah. Yeah. No, amazing. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah, people don't, like, it's just like with Jerry Lewis and the feedback uh, machine. They don't give people credit. They just think yeah. of him as uh, right Lucy. connection. Uh, Desi was Lucy Straight Man. Jerry was the child adult. And this is all they saw. So this is all they were to them, you know. Yeah. And, and people are dimensional. There's more than one dimension to them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, I wanted to ask you, uh, really, this is a sort of boring question, but I'm always interested. <laughs> what was the first book? that captured your attention when you were a kid? Oh, it's a, no, it's not a boring question. I think that's a great question. Um, so I grew up on a farm. Um, so we're about half an hour from the nearest town, which had a population of 250 people. And my mother was a big reader. Um, so I grew and I, I was a, you know, as soon as I learned how to read, I just consumed everything and anything. But I loved um, picture books. So Margaret Mayhew, hey. who's a uh, New Zealand, she was a New Zealand children's author. Um, she did a, had a picture book uh, called A Lion in the Meadow. And the one that the version that I lo you know love to this day uh, was illustrated by Jenny Williams, uh, who is she's an illustrator uh, based in the UK. And her and Margaret Mayhew did a, a, a few different picture books together. Um, but A Line in the Meadow was about this uh, young boy who discovers a lion in the meadow and tells. Her, his mum and mum is busy, you know, getting things ready, um, doing housework, and doesn't believe the boy. Anyway, the boy um, makes friends with this lion, and he only eats apples. And then the mum, he goes back to see the mum, and the mum gives him a matchbox and says, uh, "There's a dragon in here." So let the dragon out, and that'll um, take care of the lion. And anyway, um, he opens the matchbox, and there is a dragon, and now the lion's, like, hiding in the broom cupboard. So <laughs> it was just beautiful. I loved it. It was sort of almost magic realism. Um, 
and just unexpected and the illustrations were just beautiful um so that was one and then when i was a little bit older oh, i probably would have been nine or ten and i remember the first book which was the runaways by victor canning and it was the first book where i cried because uh, of a character dying and, and it was that emotional thing but then afterwards realizing the power that a book had to produce that emotion in you um so i guess that was sort of my writer brain coming out mm -hmm. just marveling at what books can do um in terms of moving you to that to that point where you're grieving um this loss of a fictional character yeah so i would say those are the sort of the two um really i guess pivotal ones uh i loved roald dahl and i remember reading roald dahl uh the short story his short story collections when i was a teenager and from that realizing you know because i'd grown up with um charlie and the chocolate mm -hmm. factory and james and the giant peach and realizing that an author can I guess now we would say, you know, be on brand, but, um, it, it, you know, that this author who wrote children's stories could also write these sort of darker adult stories that still kind of recognizable as the same writer or the same author. And I remember thinking about that and thinking that was really cool that, um, you didn't have to be one one thing. You didn't have to just write one thing. You could write a whole range of things and still be, I guess, still have that um, uh, writer's voice be true to you. Um, so yeah, I think they that was sort of the foundational ones. I but like I said, I read it, anything and everything. I read uh, when I was you know eleven. I was reading my mum's. Uh, bestsellers at the time, and perhaps some of them weren't um, so good for me to read, <laughs> like Harold Robbins. Oh like, uh, yeah, yeah, that was that was a lot. Um, but you know, Stephen King definitely. When I was a teenager, I read pretty much everything I could get of his. Um, so it was very wide. Um, lots of different, you know, from Sylvia Plath to. Yeah, Harold Robbins. Um, it was <laughs> everything and anything I could get my hands on. Yeah, I kind of did the same thing. There's a she wrote children's books. Her name is Judy Bloom. Oh and, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret, and things like that. But she also wrote a book called Sixteen, which uh, wasn't for it was for sixteen year old and up. Um, <laughs> Because it was about yeah. having your first experience with sex and stuff like that. And right. I was reading it when I was 16, appropriate age. But I remember my girlfriends and I, uh, with highlighters, going through the book. Oh, really? So you could share it with each other? Yeah. And, I mean, <laughs> I know it, it, those books meant a lot to me. Um, yeah. They really did because she wrote for the age she was writing to. So right. when you were yep. 12 or 13, you re read 
Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, which was for someone that was going through that period of life. <laughs> There's a interesting way of yeah. putting it. In. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it's kind of strange um, that people get all upset about stuff like that now. Um, yes, very strange. That's because know. my parents read the books that I bought before I read them. So they knew what was appropriate, what wasn't. But they also were really open, and they let me read anything as long as I understood yes. what I was reading. Yeah, my mum was the same. Um, yeah, uh, just encouraged reading, and you know, you pick up the book. I don't think she knew I was reading the Harold Robbins book. To be fair. <laughs> hey, I read Judas Krantz, so we're even. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you were talking about uh, an author who wrote children's book that wrote something out, and I was thinking, I've been getting into um, Golden Age Mysteries. Um, A lot of authors that I had never heard of, um, including someone you know about very well, Niall Marsh. Yes. And I've fallen in love with her books. I think I've already read four of them or five, I don't know. I just, I love them. But one of the books, I'm in a, I'm an online book club, and one of the books that they read was called The Red House Mystery. It was written by A.A. Milne, who wrote Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, wow. And how was it? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. It was just, um, he was a mystery fan. He loved yeah. mystery books, and he wrote it as a gift to his father. It's a nice little intro for his dad. Um, Amazing. And he, um, oh. but um, it was it it was slow at the beginning. Right. I think he was feeling his way through it. But as right. he got when he got to the actual, you know, them clicking and and figuring things out, it got it was good. You were page turning. <laughs> okay. Oh wow. Oh, we'll have to check that out. Um, uh, one that I listened to recently uh, as an audio book, and it was, oh, oh, I can see the person. Richard E. Grant was narrating. Oh, great actor. Fantastic. Uh, it was Agatha Christie, Murder at the Vicarage. Like, oh. The first time we see Miss Marple. Um, yeah, I mean, he did an amazing job, but I'd forgotten how you know, funny um, Agatha Christie's characters could be. Like, oh, and she was she, having a great time because you don't know how hard it was for her to be able to write that. Yeah. Her publishers only wanted her to do Perot. Wow, really? Yeah. Um, they even gave her a hard time about if she wanted to do a Tommy and Tuppence book or a battle book or any, um, yeah. uh, any of the other books. They only wanted Perot. Perot was a biggie. Perot was making money. Yeah, but, yeah. But she really wanted, that's why, especially the first one, Murder of the Vicarage. Yeah. It sounds like she's having a good time because she is having a good time. She's getting to <laughs> be a writer again and do her thing, you know, and to write yeah. something different. Yeah. That's, I, 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 yeah. I act the one of my top favorite Miss Marples is Murder at the Vicarage. I love that book. Yeah, with lettuce and um, uh-huh. and I just think it's hilarious. They, um, 
you know, how they've got, is it Mary, the housekeeper, who's terrible cook? And, yeah, Mary. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. And she's so, so funny because, and that's another thing about her, is she puts reality in the book. Like, yeah. when she's talking about after the war and the, and the problems with getting um, staff, servants, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Yeah. Um, this was something was real. Um, this is something that she was going through that she couldn't get a housekeeper. She she was working. Her husband was working. She still had yeah. a young child. She had to have a housekeeper. Yes, and that's the thing I think um, was so popular was was part of the the popularity was uh, you know her lived experience and allowing you know a whole range of people who never would get to see inside some of these, you know, manors or um, uh, dealing with the upper British upper class uh, and, you know, all the different um, foibles. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's so just effortless with my, that. My favorite, though, Miss Marple's The Murder is Announced. Did you ever read oh, that one? Yeah. No, no, I haven't. Oh, it's so good. I won't tell you anything at all, of course. But there's this one part where she talks about how the English village has changed, that everybody yeah. used to know each other, and if they didn't, they came with a letter of introduction. <laughs> I couldn't even That's imagine. Cool. I mean, I moved every three years my whole life I, I mean we would have a thousand letters of introduction <laughs> yeah. isn't that amazing and I loved when um, uh, reading her interviews about you know Miss Marple and how it was based on her grandma these, her grandma and the women that she knew from her grandma's era um, just incredible yeah yeah yeah, that's what, another thing that they were talking. Did you ever read the? Oh, I I know is is um mystery um murder of the vicar to the first Miss Marple you've ever read? Uh, I the the most recent yes I haven't <laughs> like I've read them when I was much younger and I don't yeah so this is um yeah I'm I'm almost you know rediscovering them I guess for myself yeah there um. The, there's a, a book, her first appearance, it's called, um, I think, 13 Problems, 12 Problems, something like that. But it, it's, it's a bunch of short stories, and basically what it is, it's a, a group of people at a party, dinner party, and the, they, they have to tell a story about a mystery, and then they one of them has to solve it, and when they first started it, um, her nephew, um, Raymond says, oh. I, was it Raymond or his girlfriend? I can't remember who it says. Uh, they, there's five of us. So, and Miss Marple goes, excuse me, dear. <laughs> I think you miscounted. And it really gives, um, they said that is the closest to her grandmother. Is that yeah. book? Oh, that that. Oh, check it out. So it's a short story. There's all short stories. Yeah, it's a book of short stories. All short stories. Yeah. That's one thing she was Very great at. 
I mean, oh. her short stories are amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. And that, um, oh, what was it? The Murder Club? Um, was it Detection Club? That was uh, Agatha and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. No Marsh, Dorothy Elsoy, all of them. Um, yeah, because they used to put out a book, pretty much like a book a year, didn't they? I think so. With all the club members. Um, I know I know four, but I'm, I, there might have been more. Because I know that they were earning money so they could, um, separate from their own writing, so they could have a clubhouse and stuff like that. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, they, yeah. they I think they were in each of their homes. That's a great idea. And so they, yeah. But they wanted to have a clubhouse, and that's why yep. they, they wrote those books. And so I think the first one was The Floating Admiral. I think that was the first one. Yeah, right. And so then that would fund that. That's that's genius. Yeah. I thought it was brilliant. I was like, oh, okay, so that's why they wrote that. I was wondering. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I was thinking, oh, that's cool they're doing that. Yeah. Yeah, well, that makes makes a lot of sense. And they had the, um, you know, the the special ceremony when they were going to induct someone into the society and all of that. No, it looked like uh, that would have been a fun dinner party to attend. Wouldn't you just love to have been there? Oh, amazing. Yeah. Um, Coming up with the rules of detection. I thought that was awesome. Oh, isn't that? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I just, and But they broke them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They made the rules and then broke you, them. You, there should yeah. be no spiritual or metaphysical kind of, and uh, Dorothy Sayers broke it, uh, Agatha Christie broke it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No uh, romance, yeah. no romance. I mean, every single queen of crime broke that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, wasn't there like no identical twins? Or oh, yeah, that like, was another one, yeah. No, no twins. And no, um, no magic. Yes, yeah, 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 amazing, amazing. And the thing is, it's like one of the books which actually made like Agatha Christie famous was The Murder of Roger Ackroyd. And she, when she had wrote that book, it broke a, it was different. It was, it broke a big thing. I'm not going to tell for the people who've never read it because it's, quite a shock. No. Uh, but but that was a big deal. But she didn't, but she was fair. She gave a lot of clues what was going on. She just distracted everybody throughout the whole book. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely. And that was the, that was, yeah, the first time that had been done, which is amazing. Yeah, I just, Um, it's, it's, and, what was the, um, there was another book, it wasn't Agatha, it was oh, Anthony Barclay, um, Malice of Forefront, that was the first time they have the inverted mystery, where you knew who the killer was, and you had, they had to figure out how to, um, uh, the, the, you find the, the detective through the killer's eyes. Ah, um, right. It's sort of like Columbo, 
but Columbo's in from the very beginning after the murder. <laughs> it's so a much shorter the, thing in Columbo. Was he trying to avoid being detected, or was he already was was the murderer already arrested at the beginning? No, no, it was uh, he had uh, actually. Actually, I think you just hear them say, "I'm." Uh, hear them. You read them say, "I'm going to kill this person, and this is why I'm going to kill him." I mean, you're right with them through the whole oh, wow. book, but they're trying. Right. But they try to. Um, a good one who does this has humor. You have yeah. to have a, a you know an, an, a villain with a good sense of humor is very helpful. Yeah. And you have to distract them with things to, you know, so they, you, you, they know who did it, but they they don't know how the detective is going to find out how they did it. Right. Yeah. So yep. that that has to be distracted until the end. So it's so it, it, it's actually a difficult book to write. Oh, it'd be really difficult to write. Absolutely. Yeah. So they broke a lot of yeah. rules back in the twenties and thirties. Yeah, made made them and then broke them. Tried to see who could be the first to break them. (laughs) I think it's interesting. Uh, Oh, it's amazing. I know. Still, so um, yeah, still resonates today, and you can still read them and really enjoy them. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Um, Yeah. And you got nominated uh, for the Nio Marsh Award, right? Yeah, so The Nancy's, uh, my first book, won the Naya Marsh Award uh, for debut. And then just just recently, uh, book two in the series, um, Nancy Business, uh, was a finalist um, in the Naya Marsh Awards for Best Novel. So, yeah, I went over to, um, to the awards, which was fantastic got to meet some other Kiwi crime writers and um, Jacqueline uh, Bublitz, uh, before you knew my name, uh, won both categories this year, which is just wow. fantastic. Have you, have you read her book? No, I haven't read her book. Oh, it's brilliant. It's really good. Um, she described it um, just recently as, uh, when she was writing it, sort of a cross between three women and lovely bones. Oh, um, wow! Yeah, it's and the thing that I loved for her to when um, yeah she was obviously trying something different. She was centering the victim and the woman who uh, and this is no spoilers the woman who um, finds um, the victim after they've been murdered, uh, and so it's their story, which is really interesting take on it. Um, on crime fiction so yeah highly recommended I believe it's coming out in America in the next couple of months I think cool that's probably why I haven't read it because I'm here in the states yeah yeah (laughs) it'll yeah it's definitely coming and it'll be um, yeah it'll be out I'm not sure yeah I can't tell you when I don't know if it's like February or next month or yeah but I know it's in the next couple of months cool so, yeah, before you knew my name, keep okay. an eye out for that one. Definitely. Um, yeah. We're coming to the end of the show. 
So, do you have a new book coming out that you want to talk about? I uh, don't. Well, I do and I don't. So, I am, <laughs> but I, I am working on a standalone, uh, but I don't have a publication date yet. It is actually my homage to the Golden Age crime. So, it's yeah. 1933. Uh, it's uh, a English country manor weekend party um, and so yeah so I will let you know Sherry when I have the publication date for that I'm also uh, have been working on uh, so the Nancy series is a trilogy and I am working on the third book for that and in uh, non-crime fiction uh, news, I have a picture book, my first ever picture book coming out next year, um, which cool. I'm very excited about. Uh, yeah, so it's been a bit of a dream. Uh, yeah, I've sort of both written for myself and done a few different courses and things in picture books, but um, this year was the sort of year I decided to get out there and pitch pitch them and see what happens. So yeah. Yeah, very excited about that. That's so cool. I'm gonna be pitch books by day, crime fiction by night. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that masked man? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um so we've come to the end. So could you give your website and any of the social media that you're on? Yeah, thank you. Uh, so my website is my author name, uh, R-W-R McDonald. So R-W-R-M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. And uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, at R-W-R McDonald and also on Twitter at R.W.R. McDonald. Great. Um, thank you very much, Sherry. It's been lovely chatting. Thank you. I really enjoyed it so much. It was a joy. Um, thank you for chatting with Sherry. <laughs> Thank you.